Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Ronald Todd McNutt was a 44-year-old from Corning, California. He was the father of two and had many different jobs over his adult life. On May 4, 2004, Ronald dropped off his step-grandson at school. He was supposed to go to work after that. Ronald never arrived. He was never seen again. I'm Ed Denzel, and this is Unfound. Anticipation. Carly Simon sang a song about it, made most famous in a Heinz ketchup commercial from the 1970s. To believe Wikipedia, it says Carly wrote it in about 15 minutes while waiting for Cat Stevens to pick her up for a date. For the rest of us who aren't famous singers, who aren't waiting for another famous singer to pick us up, that feeling of not being able to sit still while trying to be patient can pop up in a variety of situations. And it can arise from both the good, while waiting to find out the gender of your next baby, while waiting to discover if you got that promotion, while waiting to hear the Powerball numbers, and the bad, while sitting in the doctor's office, while waiting for a biopsy to come back, while watching the last seconds click off and your team is lost, while opening a Christmas present that you know is another pair of socks. But interestingly and ironically, no matter if it's good or bad, we tend to call all those situations the waiting game. As if there are dice and a game board, and all we have to do is pass go to collect $200. Well, in the case of Ronald McNutt, his family has been waiting since 2004. Then the waiting changed to a new form in 2014. Then it changed again in 2017, coinciding with new information revealed by, of all things, a forest fire. But none of this has been a game at all. Instead, all of it has been the waiting work. And now a summary of the case. This is brought to you by my friend Megan Good's website, charlieproject.org. Ron McNutt provided for his family through a variety of means and jobs. He had two daughters with his first wife, Kathy, but that marriage ended in the late 1980s. A few years later, Ron met a woman, Lori, from his church, and they got married in the early 1990s. One of his daughters lived with their mother, while the other lived with Ron. Everything was going fine until Ron got viral encephalitis from a mosquito bite. He almost died and had long-lasting effects of memory loss and confusion. Although in the couple years before his disappearance, 
Ron was able to remember much of his life. Yet, due to this disease, Ron's second marriage suffered, although he and Lori remained together until he disappeared. So on May 4, 2004, it was a day like any other. Ron was to drop off his step-grandson at school, then head to work. He dropped the child off, but never arrived at his job. After a couple hours, Ron's employer called his wife. She didn't know where Ron was. He was never seen again. However, an anonymous tip came in saying that Ron had been seen with another man in Ron's truck. Then police discovered that Ron's credit card had been used at a Denny's a couple hours outside of Corning. Yet the employees did not recognize Ron when shown a picture. The case was cold until 2014 when a fire swept through the Etna Summit area in Northern California. It revealed a burned out Ford pickup that turned out to be Ron's. However, it couldn't be pulled from the ravine for three years. When it was, a human skull was found inside. Yet over two years later, there are seemingly no results from tests to determine if it's Ron or not. There will be many who will default to the idea those are Ron's remains. However, questions still exist that could cause us to think otherwise. Number one, why did Ron's wife, according to his own family, offer up no assistance in trying to find out what happened to him? Number two, what are we to make of a conversation Ron had with his mother the day before his disappearance in which he talked about catching his wife having an inappropriate conversation with another man? And number three, if it was Ron at that Denny's, why did no one remember him and not recognize a picture of him, even though the police got to that Denny's just days after the disappearance? Ron's family realizes that skull could be Ron, but until that is scientifically proven, they will pursue all possibilities, including one in which Ron was carjacked and taken against his will. The guest for this episode is Ron's daughter, Leslie Littlejohn. Unfound news. I usually don't do previews this far in advance, but next week, Unfound will be bringing to the public an investigation we've been conducting for most of 2019. It was one of those behind-the-scenes projects I've mentioned once in a while. I feel it's time to enlist the public to help move this case forward. This is certainly a disappearance, where the on-the-record information describes one kind of scenario, but the information we've uncovered describes something totally different. Next, the Unfound Live Show on YouTube for next Wednesday, November 27th, is up in the air right now. I have some things going on that could get in the way of me being available that night. I will keep all of you posted as we get closer to that date. And finally, I regret to inform all of you that a former guest has passed away. Donna Jean Cap, sister of missing woman Dorianne Myers, died at the end of October. I didn't even find out until this past weekend. Donna Jean joined us this past summer, but I had known her since 2016. The unfound family sends its belated condolences to Donna Jean's family and friends. Where you can find unfound. Unfound supports accounts on Podomatic, iTunes, Stitcher, Instagram, Twitter, Spotify, and Facebook. On Wednesday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern, please join us on YouTube for the Unfound Live Show. 
contribute to Unfound at patreon.com forward slash unfoundpodcast. This week, I need to thank Angela. You can also contribute at PayPal, unfoundpodcast at gmail.com. That is also the email address. Merchandise, the books at amazon.com in both ebook and print form. Do not forget the reviews. Shirts at unfound-podcast.myshopify.com. Cards at makeplaincards.com forward slash sell forward slash unfound podcast. And please mention unfound at all true crime websites and forums. Thank you. I'm so happy to have on this episode of Unfound the daughter of Ronald McNutt, Leslie Littlejohn. Leslie, welcome to Unfound. Thank you. Let's start here, and uh, the listeners know that we have um, quite a few daughters and sons of missing people on the program, but we'll start talking about your father, Ronald, and what kind of father was he? Was he a laid-back guy? Was he a disciplinarian? How would you uh, explain how he, what kind of father he was to you and maybe if you have uh, other brothers and sisters? Um, I have one other sister. She's younger, um, just by a year and a half. Um, my dad was the most amazing man you would ever know. Mm-hmm. He gave up. He worked so hard and made sure we had everything that we needed. And he he was just amazing. Yeah. But I know everybody says that they've got, you know, they had the world's best dad, and I truly believe that I did. Uh-huh. So was he hard on you and your sister, or was... Were you like his two favorite? I'm sure he was. You were two favorite girls, but was he tough on you or easy on you? What would you say? Uh, he was fair. I mean, we didn't really get into trouble too much, but when we did, you know, we got grounded or you know. But mm-hmm. for the most part, he, he we we always got along. Um, we we listened to my dad. You know, he never stirred us wrong before, so we always listened to him. Okay. And sometimes when I'd get in trouble and he'd ground me, he'd come in the next morning and give me a hug and tell me I wasn't grounded anymore. <laughs> All right, he had a, a change of heart? Yeah. Okay. So what was he into? Let's uh, maybe uh, start here. What was? Uh, what did he do for work, for a career, for a job? What did he do? He worked at Ace Hardware in Corning. Okay, so he would he have been like one of those guys behind the counter? You go in, you tell him you need a particular type of tool or something like that and he'd help customers out or what did he do yeah that's what he did that's what he did and yeah. uh how long did he uh have that job oh i'm not even sure for a few years i believe Mm-hmm. for just a few years did he do anything else uh for work besides that maybe before that maybe you know in the in the years before he disappeared <laughs> Before that, he worked at, um, it's no longer in business, but it was uh, called Cantica, where he was a delivery guy. He delivered, like, tortillas and chips and turkey and stuff to different stores. And then um, before that, he worked at Holiday Market um, almost all of his life. <laughs> okay. Up, in, up until, you know, uh, well, a good portion of his life was at Holiday Market. <laughs> okay. Okay, and um, what kind of friends, and, and did he hang out with, like, the guys a lot, or was he more of a homebody? Like, after work, would he come right home, or 
Would he go hang out with some of his friends? What'd he do? You know, he always came right home to, to us kids. Um, he actually spent most of his time with us. Uh-huh. Um, we did, we did a lot of family things together, like, um, we just, on a whim, go four-wheel driving up in the mountains for the day, or, um, we'd go camping or hiking, um, hunting. Uh, he, he taught us how to shoot guns, so we'd go up in the mountains and oh, wow. do some, uh, target shooting. He spent a lot of his time with us. Okay. What was, what was maybe one of your uh, favorite activities that you would do with your father? You look back, you know, as a, you know, a, a girl or teenager, what was one of your favorite activities with your father? All of them. <laughs> All of them? I, yeah. My, I loved being around my dad. Um, uh-huh. One of my, one of my favorite memories is that um, uh, I, I was a cheerleader one year, and the next year I wanted to play football. And with the guys, and he let me do it. But I also wanted to go hunting with him one weekend, and I had a game. So we drove up to the mountains a couple hours up where we go. He uh, took me hunting for the day. The next day, we drove back down. We, he sat at my football game, and then we drove right back up in the mountains afterwards and went hunting the very next day. I just loved spending time with my dad. <laughs> okay. All right. Now, one person we haven't talked about uh, is your mother. Now, uh, the listeners maybe already know this. Maybe they don't, that when your father disappeared, he had gotten uh, married uh, again, he, uh, so she would have been your stepmother. But uh, what happened uh, to the relationship, the marriage between your mother and your father? Maybe you need to explain that a little bit. What year did they get divorced, et cetera? Um, they got divorced because – they, they had, my mom had a bad drinking problem, um, mm. and they just always fought, and it was just better off that they not be together, but they stayed really, really good friends, you know, after mm. the fact, like, they, they were still each other's love of their lives, like, they always said that, but they just couldn't be together. Yeah. What year did, did they get div- divorced? Listen. Oh goodness gracious! Um, I was seven, so I don't even know what year that was. Okay, been. we're not going to give. I you just said before we started this conversation uh, how old you are, but uh, we don't, we're not going to give that. Would you say that they got divorced in the 1980s somewhere? Would that be somewhere? Yeah, <laughs> in the 1980s. That'd be, oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So, um, did you did your mother get custody of you, or did you live with your father? How did that all work out? Um, my mom got custody of me. Um, that was not such a, a great thing. Um, I, I, mm. I hate to, to badmouth my mom because mm. she's doing so wonderful now, but she got into drugs really, really bad. Mm. And so when I was um, 12, almost 13, uh, my dad got custody of me. Okay. And what about your sister? Uh, she stayed with my mom. She, oh, she did. She, she, she's a mama's girl. <laughs> okay. All right, so you two were split she's up, I, I guess, then. Girl. Okay, so you, you were kind of both split up then for, yeah. a while, for a while. Okay. Yeah. All right, so they got divorced, let's just say, in the late 80s. And when did your father, we have to remember he disappeared in 2004, but when did he get married again? Um... 
I was almost 14. I was 14. Okay, so sometime so, maybe in the mid-90s, something like that. Yeah. Okay. And um, let's maybe just to, to use some names. We're not going to use last names. What is your mother's first name, just to keep this all straight? What is your mother's first name? My, my birth mother? Yeah. Okay, her name's Kathy. <laughs> Kathy, okay. And what is your stepmother's name, the, the woman that your father was married to when he disappeared? Lori. Lori, okay. So Kathy and Lori. Correct? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. So and how did your father meet Lori? Um at church. Church. Um she yes. Uh she they met it and they started talking. Um and it, it's kind of a cute story. Um they they met and my dad wanted to take her out on a date. Um, as soon as possible, but he didn't get his pay, his next paycheck for, I, I think, like two weeks. So he didn't have enough money to do what he wanted to do. So I went out in my grandma's yard and I picked weeds and she paid me 10 cents a weed, which was a bad mistake because I picked a lot. <laughs> uh-huh. so I, I ended up paying, uh, for, to take my dad. I, we kind of, it was kind of a surprise. Um, I took my dad and her, to Cal's gate, and then we went out to ice cream. So she was really wow. nice to begin well, with. Wow. You are special. Leslie, that's very special you did that for your father. Wow. He must have really appreciated that. Yeah. Okay. What a, what a great story. That is a great story. Okay. So they ended up uh, getting married, and then did you continue to live with them after they got married? Yes. Okay. All right. So that maybe mid nineties. Once again, he didn't disappear till two thousand four. So maybe they were married about uh, ten years. And we'll get into some of those other things uh, regarding their relationship, and of course what what was going on around the time that he disappeared. But I think something we uh, need to talk about. I think it's very important about your father is he had something happen to him. Uh, from what you told me, not long after he and Lori got married, why don't you tell the listeners what happened? Um, we went to Oregon to visit my stepbrother, and he got bit by a mosquito and got viral encephalitis and almost died, and it took away almost all of his memory. Oh, my gosh. Did he, do, were you there? When it happened, or did you find out later, or did you go to Oregon? No, I was there. You were there. Uh, we, we all went to Oregon, and um, we came home, and he thought he had the flu. He was throwing up and stuff, and um, then it was he was laying on the couch screaming in pain because his head hurt. Um, and then the next morning, um, at the time, my sister was living with us for a moment. He came live with us for a moment. Mm-hmm. Um, we had gotten up to get ready for school, and he it was like nothing ever happened, but he was acting really weird. Um, like, he, he was mixing um, his chips and salsa with his coffee, and then he kept accusing me and my sister of drinking all of his coffee. And then I was getting ready to, we were getting ready to go to school, and he was like, no, 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 you're not going to go meet your boyfriend at the end of the road. You don't have school today. He was just doing some really odd things, so I told my sister, I said, look, you stay home with him, 
and I'm going to go to school, and I'm going to get a hold of Grandma. Because um, I didn't know my grandma's phone number right offhand, and I knew the school did because she was our emergency contact. Mm-hmm. Um, as soon as I got into school, I called my grandma, and she went over there, and the next thing I know, I'm being pulled out of school, and he's being rushed in the hospital, and they told us to prepare for the worst. Wow. That's how quickly it can happen. And His, the, and the, and his, wow. his brain was basically frying. Oh, my God. All from a mosquito bite. Yes. That the something, and that's eventually they figured out what it was and viral encephalitis, and they said that yes. did they find like the the mosquito bite on his body that caused it or or not? Um, or? I'm not I'm not sure how they figured it out. Um, mm-hmm. I, I was pretty young. I was 15, so I was yeah. young, and I didn't think to ask those questions. Um, right. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, how did your stepmother handle all this when when this happened. Your opinion? My opinion? She turned evil. Um, she, uh, let's see. For example, um, I was on the wrestling team for high school, um, and my dad was in the hospital. I, I I occasionally would stay late and help put the mats up and stuff, and um, mm-hmm. I called her and told her that I'd be late. Um, I came home, and she got all up in my face, started yelling and screaming at me, and by the end of the fight, which ended about midnight, she had literally thrown me out of the house and told me I could have none of my stuff. Was this uh, a new kind of behavior for her, in your opinion? She'd never been like that before your father uh, got sick? Um, I mean, she started to before he got sick, but... Like, she, she tried to tell me I couldn't play football, I couldn't wrestle because I was a girl, and that was a big argument, but my dad always stuck up for me. Mm. So it wasn't too bad until until he wasn't there to to keep her, you know, off my case a little okay. bit. <laughs> I'm a tomboy, so... Right, okay, so um, if I, maybe this is uh, an important question, and we'll get back, of course, to your father's uh, disease that he, this virus that he caught. Um, what kind of parenting role did your stepmother have, being that she's not, you know, your mother, but you're living under the same roof, of course, with her? I mean, how much um, latitude did she have with, you know, parenting you and discipline, things like that? Um, she, you know, her and my dad were, were equal, unless my dad thought she was being unfair. You know, okay. but for the most part, like I said, I, I was I was a good kid, so mm-hmm. I didn't really get in too much trouble. Okay. Um, Did she have any kids of her own? Yeah, she has a son and a daughter. And did they live with you to you're with you at any time? Her daughter Back, did. Her daughter. Her, did. her daughter did. Okay. Yeah. All right. So getting back to this, your father gets uh, stung by a mosquito. He gets viral encephalitis. His brain's getting fried. He's losing his memory. And, I mean, how long was it before he was out of the woods? I mean, I'm going to guess for a while you weren't sure if he was going to survive or not. I mean, how long was it before, you know, the doctors told you, you know, he's going to make it? Um, about a week and a half. Wow. A week, week and a half. Wow. Wow. And you told me um, a story that he lost his memory, but he still remembered you. 
you went in there and he remembered you. Yes, I, I went into the hospital and <laughs> my grandma had uh, brought my grandpa to see him and 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 had to reintroduce him and um, he didn't know who he was and so when I went in, my grandma was like, "This is your daughter Leslie," and he goes, "I know that's my daughter Leslie," and um, you know we got to talking and stuff and and um, he's like. I can't remember how old you are, though. I was like, I'm 15. And he's like, I'm 16. I was like, I know you're not, Dad. <laughs> uh-huh. You're not. <laughs> uh, wow. So that was interesting, trying to convince him that he couldn't be 16 because I was 15. <laughs> and how, how long was it? And, and I know that you've told me so that, that we can just... Uh, tell the listeners, you're, in your opinion, maybe he never did get back to the old Ronald. Your your old. No, he was. You no, know, he and the doctors told us that there that he would never be completely himself. Okay. Um, okay. I mean, his memory his memory got had gotten better. Um, mm-hmm. He didn't. He still didn't remember a lot of the past. Mm-hmm. But he, he, you know, he was getting better at remembering short term things. Um. Did he, uh, if I can ask, did he understand what happened to him? Could the doctor tell him, you got stung by a mosquito, you got this virus, and did he comprehend that? Did he Did he understand? Not, not for not for a really long time. Um, I actually have a binder that um, my grandma had given mm-hmm. to me that was my dad's, where he had mm-hmm. kept a bunch of stuff, and there's a letter from a doctor that they would have to have him read every so often so that he would understand what was going on okay but after a while he 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 he, sunk in okay so at some point he did realize that okay at some point something happened to me and that's why sometimes i think these things or don't remember these things that other people do remember yes okay how long was it before he could um, you know, go back to work and, you know, try to get some semblance of, uh, n- normalcy again. How long did it take? Um, I'm going to say, <clears throat> I'm going to say about a year. Um, they, 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 he was at MLO and they took him to, um, a rehabilitation place that's also in Chico. And then they sent him to another one in Loomis, California. And he was there for quite a while. And um, that's when things started getting better. So when he came home, um, you know, it, it was probably about a year. He started, you know, being able to drive, and, and then he went back to work. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I, I'm sure that that was a very tough period for you. And then I bet yeah. but <laughs> being that he did survive and he got to go back to work, um, that I'm, I'm sure that made everybody feel better. Yeah. I'm sure. Okay. So what were the rest of the 90s like once he did get back to, once again, some sort of normalcy? Uh, how was his marriage with your stepmother? Terrible. Um, like when you when, when something like this happens and you bring your, your loved one home, you're supposed to do um, like rehabilitation things at home. Um she wasn't doing anything that she was supposed to be doing. Um, he didn't know what a peach was, if you ate it or, or what you did with it. Um, she 
at one point um, had told my sister and I and my mom that she hoped he would never get better so he could stay home and, and take care of everything and as kids that she could do what she wanted. Um, mm-hmm. She was just not, she was not nice to him. She told him that he was a horrible dad and he would always tell me that he was sorry for being a horrible dad and he never was. Well, by this time, you know, I'm going to say that, you know, you would have been maybe getting, you know, close to adult age. I mean, you know, at some point you became an independent woman. I mean, did you ever confront your stepmother about these things? Maybe in the later 90s about, you know, what she was saying about your dad. Didn't she understand? I mean, did you and she ever have any conversations like that? I confronted her the day she said it. And she told me she wasn't sorry for the way she felt. Okay. But she and your father remained married. Yeah. She, they, you know, she didn't leave. He didn't leave. Uh, did he, to you, did he ever say, you know what, she's, I don't know if I could live with her anymore. Did he ever talk about ever getting a divorce from her to you? Did he ever talk to you about it? No. Um, not me, no. Uh I mean, but there were there were signs that he was, you know, starting to to distance himself from her. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. Um, okay. Well, we're just gonna. He, he would. He would. He would go spend as much time um, away as uh, from home as he could. Like he goes visit his mom um, after church on mm. Sundays. Every time he would drive to my house in Oroville and come visit me, um, he'd spend a lot of time at church um, okay. because he said that he didn't want to go home because, you know, they would fight. Okay. Speaking of which, what was your, maybe your grandmother, your father's mother saying, uh, you know, about all of this? What was she saying? Um, she, you know, we talked between us, but it Really, it was my dad's decision, and, and mm-hmm. all we could do is just be there for him. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we, we give him our opinions and stuff, you know, and, mm-hmm. and okay. he just, he wanted to make it work with her because that was his wife. Sure. And and I think, I think part of that is because he was also told, he had to be reminded many times in the hospital that he was married to her, so... Mm-hmm. You know, there there was letters in the binders telling him who she was. So I think he felt a sense of, of I can't think of the word I'm thinking of, um, of just trying to make it work because he felt, you know, that he was told that that's his wife and, you know. Duty, sense of duty, sense of loyalty, something like that. There you go. That, there you go. That's the what I was trying to think of. Okay. All right. That's why I'm here, <laughs> Leslie, to uh, try to help my guests out. Okay. Uh, all right. Um, when did you get old enough that you finally maybe moved out of the house? I moved out uh, when she kicked me out mm-hmm. when I was 15. And where did uh, you I go? To, I forced my mother to take me back. Um, I, I showed up on her doorstep and she said, I don't have room for you. Mm-hmm. And she left. And when she came home, I had made a bedroom in her closet. <laughs> In the closet? Yeah. She had a big walk-in closet, and I I made a bedroom out of it. Uh, I didn't have nowhere else to go. Wow. 
Okay, so how long did that situation uh, last until maybe, I mean, did you finally move out for good and get your own place? Um, um, when I was 16, um, I, I met my, my first husband, my kids' dad, um, and hmm. we, we were, we actually got together because at the time, again, my mother was really strung out on drugs. She had left me at a friend's house and forgot where she left me for a week. And um, it was somebody that I'd grown up with, and we, we met at this house, and then we were just inseparable from then on. Wow. And until we got divorced. <laughs> okay. All right. And once you moved out, you know, once you got married for the first time, maybe in the later 90s, uh, how often were you talking to and how often were you seeing your father? Um, I would call my dad almost every day, um, and then when he started call when he started work, um, we had a thing where he'd come see me Sunday, and then Monday morning before he went to work, I would call him, and then you know we'd talk periodically through the week, or 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 it would be the next Sunday, but you know it was always once or twice a week, it's definitely. Okay. And how was he doing? Did you see progress in his mental state, remembering more, you know, being able to deal yeah. with it more and more, maybe from maybe not week to week, maybe month to month or something like that? Yeah, you, he, he liked to play a game with people who didn't know him where he'd say he couldn't remember. And <laughs> I know my dad, and so he'd try it with me sometimes. And I'd be like, Dad, I know you better than anybody, and... and I don't know why you're trying to bullcrap me right now. He's like, okay, okay. <laughs> okay. And uh, what was? How did his friends, um, you know, support him through all this? Did he have a lot of friends that would come over? And did he remember them? Or he did. I mean, he he was didn't really have too many friends. Um, mm. Like I said, he was like he was totally devoted to being a family man. I mean, he was really close to my Uncle Matt, which is his brother. Um, we spent a lot. It was just a lot of family time. Like, uh, my grandparents and my uncle and, and my dad and us kids, it was it was always, we always did things together. We'd go play softball after church on Sunday, and, you know, it was just, mm. and my dad just worked. <laughs> At any point after... Uh, he had this happen to him until the time that he disappeared. Uh, did you ever get the idea that he might have been depressed, might have been suicidal? Did he ever express anything like that to anybody that you trust? Um, <laughs> expressing that, no. And, and, and feeling that, no. Um, mm-hmm. I, my dad would never be the kind of person that, that would have taken his life. Okay. Um, now, the depressed thing, I mean, I know he was getting sad, I mean, right before the end of, uh, before he disappeared, because him and my stepmom's problems um, apparently mm-hmm. were getting worse. So, I mean, he was sad, but he he would, he would open up to my grandma. Um, again, mm-hmm. I don't know what those conversations were, because, you know, those... Mm-hmm. You know, okay. We're incompetent, so. <laughs> okay. Did he ever? Uh, did he ever? Uh, let's just say, in the three years before he disappeared, from two thousand one to two thousand four, did he ever take any trips by himself? 
you know, you know, just maybe not maybe unexpectedly, but just kind of go off by himself for a, a day at a time with nobody else. You ever hear about anything like that? Know anything like that? No. No. Okay. No. All right. And at the time of his disappearance, uh, where it was it just he and and your stepmother? They were still married, just living together, just the two of them. Yes. And yes. none of her kids were living with them at that time? No. Okay. All right. So um, in the days and weeks before, you'd already explain maybe uh, how often you were talking and seeing him, talking to him and seeing him. But let's just go over that one more time. In the days and weeks. So the uh, the official disappearance date, May 4th, 2004. Let's say starting in March of that year, how often would you say that you saw – how many times would you say you saw him in those last two months and talked to him? Um, I would see him at least once a week mm. at White Clockwork um, because I, I – between – in 2001 and 2003, I had um, my daughters. So – and they were grandpa's girls. So he came over every Sunday – and then I would call him every Monday, and then occasionally we'd speak through the week on the phone. Mm-hmm. Okay. And if he had if he had a church thing, um, you know how, how sometimes they have music things or stuff like that. Um, me and my ex husband would show up, and 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 my kids. Okay. So you were seeing him, and he, you, in your opinion, he was doing okay. Yes. Okay. Now, there is a story, um, and this is taking us right up to right before uh, he disappeared. And why don't you tell the listeners of a story uh, that he didn't tell you one-on-one, but he told your grandmother, his mother, about something that he saw at church. Why don't you tell the listeners about this? Um, sorry. Um, he, he had, uh, I guess... It was af- I don't know if it was after church or before church, but usually the people gather and they talk. He had, um, I guess, apparently found my stepmom around the corner talking to another man, and um, he he wouldn't divulge what the conversation was about mm-hmm. to anybody. He just was really upset, and and he it just pretty much devastated him. So. Um, what he overheard, I, I don't even, I couldn't even speculate, but in order for mm. him to, to be that upset, it, it had to have been something that, you know, you wouldn't want to hear your spouse talking to somebody about. Do you know how quickly, so he didn't tell you, once again, he did not tell, he did not come to you with this information. He went no. to your grandmother, correct? Yes. And then your grandmother told you. Yes. Okay. Did she tell you about this story before or after he disappeared? Um, he, right after. Um, I believe it was the day of uh, the disappearance okay. when I went over there. Okay, so you're – and when did this – when did he allegedly catch his wife you know, talking to this other guy? Once again, this is alleged, and we'll talk about that a little deeper in a second, but – uh, when did this particular thing happen, That this church incident? The day before he went missing. The day before he went missing. Yes. 
So on, just to go through the date again, so on May 3rd, you're saying that yes. this is, uh, and then right, is it your then understanding that as soon as church was over, did he go over to your grandmother's? Did he call her? What did he do? Um, he went home. <laughs> okay. And, well, later on, and I believe later on he, he went to my grandma's to talk to her. Okay. Is there any, do we have any information if he ever confronted uh, his wife, your stepmother, her name is Lori, uh, did he ever confront his wife about this, to your knowledge? To our knowledge, not that we're aware of. Okay. All right. But uh, <laughs> Okay. We live in their house. I know. That's fine. That's uh, that's why I'm asking to your knowledge. Uh, but to be clear, he never said. He just said that I caught my my wife talking to this other guy, and they were talking about something that bothered him, and he never told his mother what it was. No, he didn't. He said he didn't want to talk about uh, talk about what was being said. Okay. He was visibly uh, very upset about it. So. Okay. Uh, did, did he, you, did he mention the guy's name? No. Okay. We, we, to this day, have, have not figured out who it was that she was talking to. Okay. Have you, or your, and, and I realize it's been 15, is your grandmother still alive? Yes, she is. Okay. When you did find out about this story, uh, of course you found out it, the day that your father disappeared, and we'll get into that, the situation with that in a second. Since then, since 2004, have you or your sister or your grandmother ever asked your stepmother about this story? If whether it was true, who this guy was, if it even happened? Um, me and my sister have not. Um, she don't talk to us, and... Uh, to my knowledge, my, I don't think my grandma has either. Okay. Pretty, my grandma pretty much is, at the beginning was trying to be nice, you know, mm-hmm. because that was my dad's wife, and we were trying to find him. Okay. Uh, could this, I, I need to ask this just because this is, the, this is the position that I'm in. Is there any possibility, given your father's, of course, what had happened to him, let's say, 10 years before this, regarding the, the viral encephalitis with his memories, etc., is there any possibility that he could have imagined that this happened when it didn't happen? No. No possibility of that? No. He, okay. He, part of his, il- his illness didn't include hallucinating. It was just, he just acted weird, and there was no previous... You know, history from when when he got sick to then of, of mm. things like that happening. So. Okay. What you're saying is your father wasn't a liar, and what you're saying is that in those 10 years no, he since he. Not a liar. And what you're saying is since that happened to him, he didn't necessarily hallucinate anything. No, that's exactly. Okay. All right. All right, let's – so uh, I just want the listeners to keep that story in mind. And once again, that story uh, happened the day before, but you did not find out about it um, be- until after he disappeared the next day. So what do we know about uh, your father's whereabouts, his movements 
for the day that he disappeared. Where did he start his day out, and what was he supposed to do? He um, was supposed to take my uh, stepmom's grandson to school, um, which isn't very far from his house, and then he was to show up to work, um, and he dropped the, the kid off, but he never made it to work, and then um, his ATM card was used um, on, I'm not, I can't even remember right now exactly where, well, let's just, that's fine. We'll just talk about that for a second. Was this pretty standard that he would take, uh, his step grandson to school? Was that common? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And how far was the school from where he was working at the time? Uh, a mile, maybe two. Okay. And really not that far. Okay. And so he didn't show up for work. He dropped the grandson off but never showed up for work. Yeah. Okay. Did his supervisor, did his boss ever call, you know, the house asking, hey, where's Ronald? Why is it, you know, is he coming to work today? Is he sick? Did that happen? Um, I'm not sure how they got a hold of my stepmom. I think they probably called her at work mm-hmm. um, when he didn't show up. And then um, he had called my grandma to see if she'd uh, seen him. And my grandma, knowing that, you know, my dad likes to come see me, asked me if maybe he had drove over to come see me, and he hadn't. And Okay. All right, so he doesn't show up for work. Uh, boss calls his wife. Wife seemingly doesn't know, you know, what to think, why he didn't show up for work. And at some point, when did you find out that he didn't show up for work that day? Um, right around noon, uh, I got the phone call. Okay. Um, from my grandma. Okay. And when you heard that, I mean, uh, how did your grandmother sound? Did she sound worried? Uh, what did you know? Did you two talk about it? What'd you think? Please. She sounded very worried when I said I hadn't seen him either. Hmm. And when we were talking, just I, I I dropped to the floor on my hands and knees and just started crying because <laughs> that was not like my dad. Okay. So he had never missed work like that. Had never what we would call no call no show uh, work before. No, my no. <laughs> okay. And did somebody at some did at some point you or your mother or I. Your grandmother tell your sister that he hadn't shown up as well. Um, I I on my way because when I got the phone call from my grandma, um, I jumped in my truck, drove straight to my sister's house, um, mm-hmm. which is like a half hour away from where I live, and told her what was going on, and then we drove to my dad's house. And when you got to his house, I mean, was his. Was his wife there? Was it empty? Was anybody there? Um, my family was there. She was there with some a couple of her friends. Um, mm-hmm. In my honest opinion, she didn't seem upset. Um, they were over there laughing and giggling off in the corner while my family was sitting there trying to figure out what was going on and in tears. Mm-hmm. And then later on that day, she went back to work. At any point, did... Did she or any in her, anybody or in her family or her friends express 
any idea of where he could have gone. Of course, this is just, you know, eight hours into this. I'm not saying that you shouldn't have been worried or anything like that, but we just don't know. Uh, did, did anybody call any... Did anybody call any hospitals? Did anybody Did anybody call any police departments to see if he got, you know, he was in a car wreck or hospitals? Anybody do any of that that day? Um, honestly, that whole day is, is um, I'm, I'm almost positive my grandma did. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't say that my stepmom did because, like I said, she went back to work. Like, mm-hmm. it was nothing. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Okay. But she, nor anybody, you know, of course, she was the one who was seeing him the most. She never offered up any idea as to what, why he didn't show up. He wasn't technically missing at that time. He just hadn't shown up for work that day. Did she have any opinion on it at all that you remember? No, she did not. Okay. But she did find out because his work uh, called him. Yes. Okay. So we go through that day. Um, he, of course, doesn't show up for work. Of course, he doesn't come home. Um, who was the person um, to file? And we'll get into some of these things, uh, his credit card, et cetera, in a moment. But um, who was the person to file a police report regarding him being missing? Um, I'm honestly not sure if it was her or or my grandma. Um, I, I, it's been a long time. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure which one it was, but. Okay. Would you say that it was done in a timely manner? Would you say it was done the next day? Would you say it was done three days later, a week later? Do you even know? In my opinion, I, I, I do believe it was probably done in a timely manner. Um, I mean. Okay. I, I, at least I believe so. <laughs> okay. And did the police uh, do anything? Of course, not only is your father missing, but the truck that he was driving was missing too. Did they put an all points bulletin out for it? Be on the lookout with the license plate. And you know, to your what do you remember that the police uh, did? Did they talk to the stepmother? And once again, to your knowledge, they, they talked to all of us and talked to my stepmom. They talked to my grandma, my uncle, um, mm-hmm. me. Um, again, uh, my sister and I were the ones who, who gave the description of the truck, his license plate, um, the jewelry that he would have been wearing. My stepmom, for some reason, didn't know the license plate number, couldn't remember the color of the stripe on his truck, nor the stickers that had been on there their entire marriage. Um, Uh they talked to all of us. Okay. Um... When the police talk, I police flew some areas, if I remember correctly. Um, I was told by my grandma that they had flown some areas, mm-hmm. like with a helicopter. Yeah, like looking maybe down in some more of the rural areas, looking for his truck. Yeah. Okay. When the police spoke to you, uh, you know, because once again, I, I'm sure after 15 years, of course, people's ideas change. Their Their theories change, their opinions change, but the facts don't change. Um, Did you, when you talked to the police, did you ever express an opinion that maybe your stepmother could be involved in the disappearance at the time? 
In 2004, did you yes. ever did you ever tell them that? Yes. Yes. Okay. Uh, we asked. I know. I know that she didn't have to submit to it, but we'd ask them if they could possibly get her to at least do a lie detector test, which never happened. Mm-hmm. And was this was your opinion based on what you saw, how she behaved the day that he di- he disappeared? Yes. It was based on that. Yes. Was it? And and we asked him again a couple months later because she she did some other just uh, okay. things that were out of character for somebody who who had a partner just come up missing. Okay. Um, we will of course talk about that, but. So your opinion was based on the way she acted that day, and would you, you would you say that your opinion was based also on how their marriage had been for those years? Yes. Okay. Now, we also have to remember at some point during that day, being that we've already talked about it, you heard this story from your uh, grandmother about what your father had told her the day before. Did you pass this along to the police? Um, my grandma did. Okay. So the police, it sounds to me, were well informed of your suspicions, even though there's no there was no facts to support that. But sounds like their marriage might have not have been going too well. And then, of course, your father told her this uh, the day before he disappeared. We don't know if that's a coincidence. And unfortunately, like you said, to this day, we don't know who this other guy uh, – could have been. Did you and you know maybe your sister, other people drive around town looking for his truck? In um, we place? we drove everywhere. We um, my grandma made several trips um, driving around. I drove around. Um, I went and um, went to this company in Chico called Jiffy Printing. They were kind enough to print out. Um, stacks and stacks of missing posters. We put them from uh, Orville all the way up to, up to Oregon. And um, uh, and me and my grandma stood at the Corning uh, truck stop passing them out to the truckers. Okay. To your knowledge, did your stepmother do anything like that at all? Pass out flyers, post anything, anything? No, she did not. Did any of her family at all get involved, her her children? Did any of them get involved in the searches at all? No, they did not. Okay. All right. So, and of, uh, of course, he disappears, and the, the days turn into weeks, the weeks turn into months, and this is where we start uh, what, we, what we call an unfound the rest of the case. Now... At some point, I'm guessing very shortly after he disappeared, you did get um, a hit on his ATM or his credit card, something like that. Why don't you tell the listeners about that? Um, It was actually used the day that he went missing um, at a Denny's. Um, Again, it's been 15 years, Mm -hmm. um, but it was going the same direction as where they ended up finding his truck. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was only used once before um, my stepmom had the card stopped. Okay, so what? Uh, how did this get discovered that he used this card? Who who found that out? The police. 
The police did. And where where was this Denny's? Was it actually in the city that he disappeared from, which of course remind everybody's Corning, California? Was it a Denny's in Corning, California, or was it an hour away, three hours away? Where was this Denny's? It was it was a couple hours away. Um, I'm not sure exactly. Uh, what the town is called, I forgot. I'm so sorry. <laughs> That's all right. But it was it was north of Corning, like going toward Oregon. Yes. Okay. Do you know if the police went up to that Denny's and took your father's picture and showed the people there? You know, like a wait a waitress or a cashier or a cook or somebody. Hey, did you see this guy? Do you know if they did anything like that? Yes, they did, and um, they did not remember if they had seen him or not. I guess it's a busy place um, mm-hmm. where they, they get a lot of business. So, okay. And we have to. You just said that this was a charge on his card the same day that he disappeared. Yes. So conceivably, there's a could be one theory is that if it was him that he drops off his step grandson chooses not to go to work, starts driving north, gets to the Denny's, and decides to have breakfast there. I'm not saying that's what happened, but maybe to just put it in the listeners' minds, kind of maybe put this you know, timeline together a little bit. That's how quick it was that his card was used. Yes. Okay. All right. But then you said that your stepmother then canceled the cards? Yes, she did. Do you think that she did she that? She said she did not want him spending their money. <clears throat> How do you know? She, did she say that to you one on one, or did she? Did you get that information from somebody else? Um, from somebody else. Okay. All right. So she didn't. Once again, I just like to make these things uh, important uh, to stress them. She did not say that to you directly. Not directly. No. Okay. All right, because um, that's a, that's a fairly uh, weird statement, but you got it secondhand, so I'd, I'm not sure. I would certainly like that statement a lot more if she'd said to that one-on-one. I'm not saying it didn't happen, but okay. Um, there was a tip. The next thing I want to talk about, there was a tip. Um, why don't you tell the listeners that your father was cited? Maybe you can tell the listeners about that. Um, he supposedly was sighted with a, another older gentleman um, in his vehicle. The tip came in fairly soon after the police report was filed. Um, it came in anonymously. Um, my family um, do not, we do not know anybody that would fit that description. Mm. Um, we've never seen my dad with anybody that fit that description. Mm-hmm. Okay, and it was anonymous, so you don't even know if it was a man or a woman who called this in? Nothing. No, we do not. And you said it was fairly fairly quickly, so what, the day after he disappeared, or even two days, something like that? Within the, within, yeah, within the first couple days. Okay. Did this anonymous tipster say where your father and this guy were seen? Was it actually in Corning, California, or was it somewhere else? Um, I'm not sure. Um, 
I think they said it was in Coins, if I remember correctly. Again, this has been 15 mm, years. Right. But I, I'm almost positive that, that they did say it was in Coins. Okay. All right, so this is interesting because uh, presumably that your father was alone with his step-grandson when he dropped them off. It yes. was just the two of them in the truck, and he dropped them off, so your yes. father would have been by himself. So conceivably, if this tipster is to be believed, at some point after that, somehow somebody else got into the uh, truck with your father. If, yes, this tip if, is that, if that tip is true, then, then yes. So at some point between the school and work, or the school and whenever, um, some guy ended up in his truck, if the tip is true. Okay. And you already said you you know the description. Uh, I think I've seen a sketch of uh, a sketch artist put this together, right? There's a sketch out there yes. of this person. Yeah. And there's nobody that you or your sister or your grandmother know that fits that description to this day. No. No. And has your stepmother been shown that picture? Has she ever said, this looks like so-and-so? Um, she's seen the picture, and she says she doesn't know who it is either. Okay. All right, so we have this, um, and unfortunately we don't know if the police went up to Denny's and in this other town, wherever it was. They can't even verify if your father was with another person or not. Right. Can't couldn't remember. Okay. Let's go over this uh, church story again. Um, being that it did happen the day before, and it bothered your father enough that he talked uh, to his mother, your grandmother, uh, about it. Is there anybody? Uh, maybe you've looked into this. Maybe the police have looked into this. Maybe not. Is there anybody that goes to that church that looks like? The sketch. No, no, there was not. Okay. Okay. My my grandma and my uncle uh, also went to that church, so. Okay. And let's put it this way: would never, and we don't want to use a name. Since then, have you ever had a suspicion of who? If your father was telling the truth, who your stepmother might have been talking to? I, I do not. I wish I did. Still don't. Even 15 years no. later, knowing, your, like you said, your grandmother goes to that church, you two never sat down and say, well, you know, if he's telling the truth, who could she have been talking to inappropriately? That, and a name, uh, uh, somebody in the church, some single guy or maybe a guy who was cheating on his wife. None of that's ever we, popped up. We, we, we don't know. Um, we've tried to figure it out. Um, mm -hmm. and again, my dad wouldn't say who it was, so. Okay. All right. Uh, now let's talk about how your stepmother handled all this. So, of course, he's still missing to this day. And what did she do with her life? What did she do after, your, you know, your father doesn't come back after four days or a week or a month. What does she do? Um, well, like I, like I said, um, she didn't. Uh, we were told she got mad and didn't want him spending the money. She set the card off. Within the first month of him being gone, she had taken the money out of the bank account. She changed the locks on the door. 
and gave everything of my dad's by his pictures to her kids. I got the pictures, and her kids got his motorcycle, his uh, family heirloom guns, um, everything. And the same day that he went missing, she went back to work. Like, it, the way she acted was odd. Mm. Did she have a? Did she try to declare get him declared deceased? Um, I'm not sure. I know there was a conversation about um, you can't do that until he's been missing for seven years. Um, mm-hmm. I, so I think that maybe her or my grandma had had that conversation. Um, okay. If, if I remember correctly. Okay. Um, so I, I don't know if she has done it, but I know that she was told she couldn't do it till he was missing for seven years. Did she continue to live in the house that they lived in together? For a while, I don't. I'm not sure how long she ended up um, giving the house to her son, and she went off and got remarried. How soon after your father disappeared did she get remarried? Um, I honestly can't answer that question because we don't talk. Um, mm. and she doesn't, none of, she doesn't talk to any of my family. Um, I got this information from, um, an aunt on my mom's side of the family who, who mm. kind of kept tabs on her for a while. And then she kind of just disappeared. Um, so she said that she had gotten remarried and then she was in, the process of getting another divorce the last time I had talked to my aunt. Okay. Uh, would you say that your stepmother financially benefited from your father disappearing? Oh, yeah. She, um, I know that us kids got, um, you know, when he got sick, we got Social Security. Um, so I'm assuming that when all this happened, she got all the money that was in the bank account, you know. I understand that half of it was hers, but half of it was his. Um, she got the house. You know, she just, I feel like she did. Okay. Uh, do you know if your father had any sort of will? Did he ever write one up? Um, as far as I know, he did not. That's not totally unusual. Most 40-some-year-old people don't have something like that anyway. Okay. But they are married. It would be her stuff too. You know, you would hope that maybe a fair person would maybe, you know, well, he's missing for a month. He's missing for six months. If she's going to start maybe get rid of some of his things that maybe you would hope that you and your sister would have been more involved, but you weren't. No, we were not. Okay. All right, and you said that she ended up getting married again. I have to ask, the guy that she got married to, does he look anything like the sketch of the, the tipster gave the police? I honestly can't answer that question because I've, I have not seen my stepmother um, since not too long after my dad went missing. Okay. How many times would you say that you've spoken to her since the day that – your father disappeared. How many times? Um, probably quite a few in the first, I'd say, 
couple weeks to a month, and then um, after that, and after you know, we started getting our suspicions, um, and she just stopped talking to us. We we pretty much just stopped talking to her and went about our own um, investigations and stuff. And after that, I have not seen or spoke to her, nor do I want to. Okay. How about your grandmother? Uh, did she have any any better luck keeping in contact with Lori or not? No, it was about the same. Okay. All right, so this continued. Uh, it's a big mystery. Of course, not only is he missing, but his truck's missing. Uh, we don't know what to make of this, uh, this charge at a Denny's um, north of where he disappeared from. We have this tipster who gave... Called in that your father was seen uh, with a guy around your father's age, but that guy was never tracked down. Of course, the you know the truck is missing. Nobody ever saw it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Then I'm going to guess out of nowhere in 2014, so 10 years later, what happened? Um, there was a forest fire up where his truck was found. Um, that uh, burned everything out, and um, I guess they were doing some, like, land survey through there after the fire, and that's when they found his truck at the bottom of a 300-foot steep ravine. Wow. And uh, I've checked this on a map, and just so the listeners know, the place is very near what they call Etna Summit, E-T-N-A, Summit, which is in Northern California, kind of on the way to Oregon. And like you said, it was uh, the truck was found at the bottom of a ravine. Yeah. Right. And it was found uh, – would you say that the truck was found by luck? Yes. Okay. I, uh, if, it, if it hadn't have been for that <laughs> fire, I don't think they ever would have found his truck. Okay, without the fire, and this is, uh, as many people have been listening to Unfound for the last three years, sometimes this is just uh, the way uh, things work. So some firemen are, uh, after the fire has gone through, the, the, of course the trees are nothing but the trunks maybe, or if not less, it makes things easy to see. There's no more pine, needles on the pine trees, etc., no leaves, and then the truck is seen in this ravine. Um, do you know, do you remember where you were when you got the call that his truck was found? Um, yes, I was in Oroville at the casino with my husband when my grandma called me. And how did you react? Um, I did not take it well. I ended up leaving in tears. <laughs> I bet. It's totally, that totally makes sense, Leslie. It totally makes sense. So his, uh, were you, were, were you surprised where it was found? Uh, anything when you finally did learn, you know, exactly where it was, did any sort of thoughts come into your mind at that time in 2014? Um, just how, how did it end up down there? Um, why was it there? Uh, mm-hmm. just, the, I guess the typical questions that would go through your head. Okay. Uh, now, at that time in 2014, did they tell you anything else? Did they tell you about anything that was inside the truck? Did the, anything else? Um, they, 
found some um, animal bones um, at first in a watch um, that was my dad's. He wore it every day. And um, a forty-five that my dad carried with him always. That was his favorite gun. He had mm. it for many, many, many years. And his keys. Okay. But the thing is, is that uh, even though they found the truck in 2014, they did not remove it from the ravine, did they? No, they did not. They couldn't because of um, the weather and, and where it was at. They needed the right equipment um, to pull it up, up from where it was. That's how deep in this ravine uh, that it was. And by this time, the iWolf posted some pictures about uh, where the truck uh, was found and, and, and all of that. So the listeners will understand that uh, it was found. And like you said, had it not, this fire not happened, it would have never been found where it was. That's Correct. just totally, totally, totally off the road. Okay. Yeah, all right. You could have driven by it every day and never. 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 Okay. So 2014, they don't have the right equipment, but – when do they finally bring the truck out of the ravine? Uh, 2000, what is it, 2017. Three years later. Yes. So for three years, you have to sit on pins and needles until they do something about yes. it. Yes, it was horrible. I bet. Could they not, what was the, I mean, you know... Cars are being pulled out of all sorts of unusual locations all the time. What was it about – I can understand them maybe not doing it right at that day or a week late or something, but three years sounds like a long time. What was their explanation for that? What was the expl- explanation? Um, it was – when they found it, it, it was um, that time of the year. It was really bad weather. It was raining. It was. They said it was very unsafe mm-hmm. um, to try to go down there and move it. Um, I don't know why it took them so long to actually be able to get to the point to where they actually pulled it out. Um, mm-hmm. I, we never dig in an answer why it took so long. Okay. And how did they identify this as? And so, and my understanding being that this fire, did the, the truck itself get really burned up because of the fire going through? Yeah, the pictures that I've seen, um, you could actually see where the metal had melted, and, and it looked like like a puddle kind of, you know? Yeah. Okay. Right. Um, how did they end up identifying the truck? Did they have, like, a, was there a VIN number license on? Plate. The license plate. And once you did get to see pictures of the truck, do you believe that that is your father's truck? Yes. Okay. The reason I ask is it it is possible that maybe his license plate was put on a different truck. Things things happen. You know, people people who want to pull off a crime, who knows to the lengths that they will go, you know, to try to cover something up. And that's why I'm asking is not only was it his license plate, but – the truck, even though it was all burned up, does look like his model of truck. You could tell it was a Ford, yeah. Okay. So 2017 comes around. They finally put some time into this. 
They pull the truck up finally, and what do they find inside? Two pieces of human skull. Two pieces of human skull. And once again, I have to ask you, remember, did you know that they were pulling the truck up that day? That they did? No, I did not. Okay. How did you find out? Um, from a, a news reporter in Oregon got a hold of me on Facebook and wanted to interview me. And so I called my uncle and I was like, well, this is really weird. And... Um, and he told my uncle told me don't talk to him don't talk to him and, and I I got really mad and really defensive and I was like well why can't I talk to him if it's going to help me find my dad and then I hung up on my uncle without letting him give me an explanation he finally texted me and was like you need to answer your phone and then when I did he told me that we needed to go to the Corning Police Department because they had pulled his truck out And at some point in there, you found out that two pieces of a human skull were in in the truck. Yes. Were there any other bones? Like you'd already said that originally when they went down there, they found animal bones. Um, but there were there any other human bones found? Just the skull, nothing else, no body. I'm not here to be morbid, but I just so any ribs, any femurs, anything. No. None. No. Okay. Okay. But this is a really wooded area mm-hmm. with a lot of wildlife, and, sure. and I don't want to be morbid. There's a chance that, you know, parts of them were carried away or, you know. Sure. Okay. That is a possibility, and I and right about now, though, I'm sure being that Maybe, Leslie, you don't totally realize that, but the listeners do, is that um, you know this is a program where we only do unsolved missing persons cases. And they're saying right about now, well, if, his, if a skull was found in the truck and it's believed to be Ronald's truck, it would make sense that it's Ronald. Well, there's a problem with all of this is that uh, – to explain to the listeners for a second – is that his truck was pulled up in September 2017. And at that point, did they tell you that they would be doing a DNA test on it to, to prove? Yes. And we are doing this interview on November 16th, 2019. So two years and two months later, have you ever gotten the results of that DNA test? No. So the skull was tested and you've never been given the results. Um, have you talked – to the police, uh, what police, I guess it would be Corning, California, that's responsible for your father's disappearance? Is that right? Um, it's Corning and, and Siskiyou um, County Police because uh, I guess that's the county that he, the truck was found in. Um, I've called and and I've yet to get an answer from a uh, call back from them. Um, like you and I spoke previously and then I mm. made that phone call afterwards. Um I'm mm. dealing with some other things right now in my life, um, but I, I'm on Monday. I mm. plan to call again. All right. Well, yes, yeah, so we're, we're doing this on November 16th, so you're saying on November 18th you'll call them, and I hope you will get back to me um, 
with that, and the listeners will know if she gets back to me, I'll, I'll let all of you know it after this uh, interview is over. Um, so that's why we're covering this case. Even though there has been uh, what we would call human remains found in the truck, it's still been over two years, and you've not gotten any response yet from police or a laboratory or anything regarding whether this is your father or not. Correct. All right, whereas they wouldn't even have to do it down. I mean, if they had his skull, maybe they could do like a teeth test or something like that. Match, you know, if you had a dentist, right? What do they call that? Um, I'm not sure what it's called. Yeah, I'm kind of having a blank on that as well. But, you know, people can, you don't just need, you don't always need DNA. You could use, um, you know, dental records to identify people too. You can do it that way as well if your father ever had a dentist or had any x-rays done. But to your knowledge, that's not... he did. He had beautiful... He had beautiful teeth, but he had some filling, so I know he's been to a dentist. Okay, but they've never even done that. No. To your knowledge. Not to my knowledge. And any explanation for this delay at all? And I realize you're talking to them recently, but maybe even after a year, say sometime in 2018, if you ever talked to them, did they ever give you uh, a reason for the delay? No. Okay, because until we are, until some, you know, scientist proves that that is your father, and we don't know, and I know it's going to be, if it is, I know it's going to be very, very bittersweet for you. You know, you're going to find out what, you know, you're going to find out, you know, where your father is. Now, of course, maybe there still could be foul play, and I'm going to guess that maybe some listeners are going to be open-minded to that. But you'll at least know where he is, but on the other hand, you'll know that, you know, part of the not knowing, you know, will be done. So... The not knowing has been the worst. If it's my dad, I just, even if it's two little bones, I want to put my dad to rest at that ship. Right. Okay. And the listeners, and I'm going to do this uh, in the summation afterwards. I've had a chance to uh, do a Google Street View of the area where the truck was found, and I will be telling the listeners about my findings, you know, after this interview. You know, just so you know, Leslie, and I've already told you, you know, I've, you know, told you where the the, the turn is, you know, where the ravine is, etc. And of course, you've never been there, have you? No, I haven't. I've not been able to bring myself to do it. Okay. Would you happen to know if, you know, the general area of Etna Summit, was this an area that your father had ever been to before? Not to my knowledge. Um, mm-hmm. not, not to my knowledge. <laughs> okay. Because you had said earlier that you and he used to go hunting, you used to go out and do things together. This was not one of those areas that you two went no, to? We, no, we would go up uh, up, up above 40 uh, to Pascana or Covalo to go hunting at, at four-wheeling. And, and that's not, I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's a nice drive, but it's not, uh, it's definitely not that direction. Because I kind of looked it up a little bit the other day with my husband, mm-hmm. um, where we would go do that stuff was it's kind of off the other way a little bit. Yeah. 
Do you happen to know? Did it? I know you haven't talked to her, but maybe through the grapevine, uh, did you ever find out how your stepmother reacted, being that the truck was found first, and then three years later, uh, a skull was found in it? Do you know how your stepmother reacted to any of this? No, I do not. I'm guessing that she knows, right? I mean, surely she knows by this time because it's been, you know, in public domain. I'm, I'm, I'm sure she knows. Okay. All right. Um, I, I just need to ask you about this again. Um, the listeners are going to find, and I will explain this in my summation, of course, this road that goes through Etna Summit, very, very windy. Uh, it's hilly. It's mountainous area of California. You know, switchbacks, back and forth. Uh, etc. Is is there any chance that you know your father, you know, with his memory and things the way it was, it possible that he got lost? If it is him, we don't know if it is, but if it is him in there, is that a possible? That do you know if he was ever out driving anywhere and got lost due to his memory? No, not that I know of. But uh, anything is possible. Okay. You know, we don't know, and, and we'll probably never know. Okay. Okay. Um, other than what this story that he told your your grandmother before he disappeared about catching his uh, his wife having an inappropriate conversation with another man, anybody else that your father had a problem with that maybe had it in for him? Any arguments that he got into anybody? Any problems that were generated? By working at the hardware store, anything like that that you've ever heard about, you know, at the time or any time since that, you know, somebody could have wanted to do something to your father. I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to say this just because I'm his daughter, but everybody who I've ever met that knows my dad or has talked to my dad absolutely loves my dad. They thought he was the funniest guy. They, you know, I... I've never known anybody to have a problem with my dad. He was very well liked in in, in the community mm. and by everyone, you know, mm. that I've come across that met him. Okay. Has anybody ever come to you since your father disappeared and said, you know what, I think Lori was cheating on your father? Uh, my family. We're well, family. I'm. I'm going. I'm going to guess somebody else. I'm looking for somebody maybe a little more. Uh, maybe uh, just to be honest, maybe a little more objective. Somebody who knew her, who maybe worked with her, was friends with her, maybe a neighbor, who ever came to you after your father disappeared and said, "You know what? When your father would go to work, and you know, sometimes I'd see another guy over at the house or any, anything like that in the last fifteen years." Not. Not to my knowledge. Okay. Okay. Um, you know, it, it seems to me that this, you know, this, what you've been through in the last 15 years, Leslie, not just you, but your sister, of course, your grandmother, um, and it's like been two different, you know, situations for 10 years. You don't know anything, you know, you just, and the, he's gone, the truck's gone, total mystery. And then for the last five years, you know, you have you knew where the truck was, but you didn't know anything about your, you know, possibly human remains being inside of it. And now, for the last two years, you hear about a skull, and you're still waiting. 
Uh, this is one of the most uh, bizarre situations that I've heard of since I started this program. I've covered over 150 missing persons cases. Uh, I, I'm going to guess emotionally. It's been very difficult for all of you. Yes. Um, I, I took it extremely hard. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm not even going to lie. I, I, for a long time, I drank really heavy. Um, I got into drugs really bad just so that I can numb the pain and not have to think about it because it, it hurt too bad. But um, I've been clean off of everything for the last four years. Mm-hmm. And it's been really hard after that because I tried to numb myself for so long. It's been really, really hard to have to deal with the feelings that I hid from. Mm-hmm. Have you thought about um, – because I think – I mean we – doing this episode, of course, we hope to move this DNA situation on a little faster because it's un- yeah. totally unacceptable for you have to wait two hour, you know, two years and two months for something that I know pe- other people are finding out in weeks. And, and I'm sure that um, you know, of course, in the case of a, a case now that everybody knows of, the original Night Stalker – they got his DNA and proved it was him within, within like days, and so you know it's the same state. So it just seems totally unacceptable to me, and I'm just going to be—I'm sure the listeners will feel the same way. You have to wait this whole time, and I need to ask. I mean, have you entertained both scenarios, and do you know how you're going to react? Say they test it, and they say, you know what, that's not your father. Do you do you know how you're going to react to that? Um, I'm probably going to jump for joy, but I'm still going to be wondering what happened to, like, mm-hmm. in my mind, to deal with this right now, um, until it's proven beyond a shadow of a doubt that that's my dad, I, I choose to believe that maybe he left my stepmom, he went and he found some beautiful lady who's treating him right, and he's... He's having the life he deserves. Okay. But then, then if they do tell me it's him, I'm, I'm sure a piece of me is going to die inside, but then I'll know. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. That's all right. We can take a moment. I'm okay. <laughs> okay. Lovely. Do you have a Facebook page? Or I know that he is on the Charlie Project. I know he's on Namus. I know there have been articles written about uh, his case. Of course, very recently. Of course, when the truck was found, etc. Do you have a Facebook page or anything set up for him? Um, yes, it's uh, Help Find Rod McNutt, and then he's also on Dork. Uh, I put him on Dork Alliance for the Missing. Okie dokie. All right, and do you uh, or somebody in your family manage uh, his page? Um, I'm in contact with the lady who does. Um, okay. Both pages are, are ran by um, the lady who does the door cow lights for the missing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm in contact with her, um, and, and, and I go on the page, and I, you know, I check things out 
periodically. Okay. Any final words before we complete this interview, Leslie? I just pray that nobody ever has to go through this. And those who have, I'm so sorry. This is horrible. Yeah. And and I thank you so much for taking time to to do this for me. This is what we do, not just myself, but I have um, many assistants who help me with the program, Leslie, and I I know it was my assistant, Emily, who first got in contact with you and let me know about, um, I think, probably one of the most unique uh, disappearances that we've had on the program, especially considering, you know, everything that you've been through and what's going on, and... Um, so I'm happy to have you on the program. Uh, I once again I, I think that we hope to be able to move this forward. You know this DNA. You know, no, you're like in a kind of purgatory right now. It's just not fair to you and your family. It's just horrible. It's just horrible. It's just not right. It's just not right. And I hope we can change that. I hope so too, and I appreciate this so much. And I appreciate you being on this episode of Unfound, Leslie. And that was my interview with Leslie Littlejohn, daughter of Ronald McNutt. I thank her for joining me and all of you on this episode. Before I start into my summation, I urge you to go also to the Unfound YouTube channel to see my video presentation of where Ronald's truck was found, along with other information. It is now posted for your viewing. My perception of this case is without this alleged sighting of Ronald with another man that morning, I think I would be 100% sure it's Ronald Skull in his truck. With this sighting, that percentage really only drops to 95% confidence. That doesn't mean foul play did not occur. It doesn't mean that somebody wasn't out to kill Ron. All I'm saying is this anonymous tip does not change my opinion that much as to whose skull it is. Why doesn't it drop lower than that given the sighting? Because I think most of you now know how much faith I put in eyewitness accounts. Not much. And I put even less faith in anonymous tips. So I'm still 95% sure that Ronald went into that ravine by himself. But let's just put this out there, because it's unspoken in the interview. The other theory is that Ronald's wife got someone to kill him. She wanted out of the marriage. She found someone at church to do it. Hence the conversation Ronald heard. And that morning, Ronald somehow crossed paths with this guy. The guy killed Ronald, pretended to be him at that Denny's, then drove the truck and Ronald's body up to Etna Summit and sent them down into the ravine. And the killer got picked up by someone, maybe even the stepmother herself. Sure, could have happened, and I'm sure many of you will throw even more ideas around. Right now, though, I will pick out something about this scenario that bothers me. And I've talked about this concept before. The concept of context in conversations. I usually mention this when an eyewitness allegedly sees a missing person, even to the point saying they spoke to each other. Usually these kinds of scenarios lack context, meaning in recounting the alleged conversation, the witness doesn't, firstly doesn't talk about the other parts of the conversation, 
The best example is the Andy Chapman disappearance. Somebody who knew him supposedly saw him a few years after his disappearance. Yet in recounting the conversation, this friend never asked Andy how he was doing. Never asked Andy where he was living. Never asked Andy what Andy had been doing since they last saw each other. You know, the usual questions that occur during a conversation when you haven't seen someone for a long time. Secondly, and much like many stories we hear in disappearances involving drugs, it seems Ronald told his mother everything but the important stuff. He said there was a conversation. He said his wife was talking to another man. Ronald said this happened at church. But unlike most people who tell stories like this, and the stories are found out to be true eventually, Ronald doesn't mention how he heard the conversation without them noticing. He doesn't detail the exact contents of the talk. He doesn't explain why he didn't confront them right then and there. He doesn't tell his mother who the other man was. You know, all the important stuff. And I urge all of you to keep this concept of context in mind as you learn more about conversations and witness statements in disappearances. Yet the big problem with this case is Ronald's family should have the DNA results by now. If California can do it for the original Night Stalker case in a matter of days, along with many other cases that have popped up since the skull was found, then the state can determine the identity of the remains for Ronald's as well. Now, I've been told there are backups all over the United States regarding DNA testing. Too many cases, not enough labs, not enough technicians, not enough money, blah, blah, blah. But somehow, everything gets fast-tracked when it's a high-profile case. Why? Because the police, the politicians, and everybody want to look good. It has nothing to do with the law. It has everything to do with attention. To the point that one guy who was involved in the catching of the original Night Stalker is even getting his own TV show now. Yet Ronald McNutt's family still doesn't have their DNA results. You want the reality of the original Night Stalker? He hadn't killed anyone in over 20 years. They knew where he was. They knew he was an old man. They could have kept tabs on him until his DNA was processed like everybody else's. Yet they fast-tracked it for the publicity. Well, Ronald McNutt's family has been grieving and wondering and suffering as much as anyone in the original Night Stalker saga. Sure, Ronald's family hasn't been waiting as long. But it's just as much work. It's time for California to do the DNA test and let the McNutt family know whether the remains are Ronald's or not. I'll leave the rest of the theorizing up to you. And that's the program. If you found it informative, please go to the app that you use to listen to Unfound and give this podcast a nice review. I thank you for listening. I'm Ed Denzel, and you've been listening to Unfound.